0: Also remember, when you buy Ochenta's audiobooks, you're directly supporting our independent audio series productions. So find Atlas Lingue, the layers of language behind everyday life, on Libro.fm, Apple Books, Google Play, Storytel, BookBeat, and on your favorite audiobooks app. When
1: you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring.
0: Before we get started with today's show, we have some exciting news, and a little favor to ask. Adventure in Atacama, the interactive show produced by Studio Ochenta, has been nominated for Most Innovative Podcast or Use of Audio at this year's Lovey Awards. And if you liked that show, please vote for us. We would very much appreciate it. Check this episode's show notes for the link where you can cast your vote. Thanks!
2: Never
3: end. Got a friend. We be I feel like defining friendships actually really difficult when it comes down to it because it's I feel like friendships can be
4: so broad. Friendship to me is someone that will drive you to the airport. There's research that shows that you know it takes at least ninety hours with someone to become, you know, a real friend and two hundred hours to become a close friend with someone. It has aspects
5: of romance. It can include cohabitation. Friendship can be based on competition, but in its essence, it's a connection, a deep connection with somebody that's unlike any other connection you have in your life.
0: I remember when I was in my first week of college and the whole class was waiting for the professor to show up. Then this guy I had seen on campus a couple of times, but hadn't talked to yet, approached me and suddenly asked me, hey, uh." Is this political science one?" And I said, yeah. And we sat together that day. That's how I met my college best friend. And after four years and many final exams, parties, coffee cups, and borrowed books, we sat next to each other at our graduation ceremony. Friendships are born from all kinds of circumstances. Sometimes fate just brings people together. And other times, people actively search for each other. But what makes a great friend is that, no matter the circumstances in which you meet, or how often you see each other, they're always there for you. Welcome to Atlas Lingue. In this season, we're exploring the subtle, and sometimes not so subtle, ways in which we communicate the broad subjects that define our everyday lives. I'm your host, Luis Lopez. And for today's episode, friends. No, not those. Well, maybe. Friends, how we talk to them and about them, how to make new ones, bring back old ones, and why this whole thing can be so hard sometimes. And let's start things off with the story of a friendship born in challenging times. It was a little wild
1: the year that we've only seen each other in person twice because it does feel like we have known each other for such a long time and have just been around each other for uh, more than that, so.
0: Yeah,
3: it definitely feels like we've seen each other more than twice. I'm trying to rack my brain and make sure I'm not missing a time, but I don't think so. No, I think you're right. You came out to LA.
0: Emily King and Karina Lopez are two college students who met online at the height of the pandemic.
1: We actually met through um, a Harry Styles themed book club which uh, I think Emily might have joined before I did. It was in probably October 2020 and I saw a TikTok about it and I was like this is, sounds like a lot of fun and I basically what we do is we read Harry Styles recommended books. We would talk nearly every day about things that were going on and ask each other for advice and We were able to be there for each other in a way that we weren't necessarily bonding with our friends that we knew in person in the same way. So that's a large reason of why I think we grew really, really close together.
0: Of course, the beginning of the pandemic was the moment where pretty much everyone was trying their best to make new friendships online or find a way to keep their current friends close. So people started gravitating
2: towards online spaces and apps for social connection. I think most friendships are built around maybe shared interests. You have a certain interest, and especially if it's a niche interest, in the past you were very much limited to your geographical surrounding of finding like-minded people. And in the days of social media, it's much easier to find people all around the world who share these interests, and then friendship uh, can be a result of it. This is Tobias Dickmeis, and he's one of the co-founders of Tandem. Tandem is a language learning community. What we do is we connect you to someone else somewhere in the world who learns the language you speak and speaks the language you learn, so you can go into a language exchange with them.
0: While Tandem's purpose isn't explicitly to develop friendships, many of its users have made friends on the app simply by communicating constantly with people from around the world
2: language exchange often starts with helping each other out you receive a correction from someone on something you did wrong or an explanation on a mistake you did and that creates an instant bond or an instant connection receiving help from strangers i think is yeah a really good starting point of building a friendship and then these language exchanges often are about exchanging what you do in your everyday life so you get to know each other And then over time, doing that, people create these bonds, maybe comparable to what pen pals were in the older days.
0: Hey, all of us here at Atlas Lingue are huge language nerds, obviously. So honestly, this kind of sounds like a pretty great way to make friends. Now, Emily and Karina didn't meet on tandem, but in their first few months of texting and hanging out online, they were strengthening their friendship in many ways. One of which was constantly sharing updates of their everyday lives.
1: When we first created our own little group were so fun because we all live in such different areas. And so all of us would just send videos of our surroundings and our supermarkets and little vlogs and they were so fun to watch during that first stage.
0: Eventually, they met in person to go to a Harry Styles concert together.
3: When Karina got to Denver for the concert, it felt Pretty natural between the two of us, I picked her up from the airport. I think in LA, if you pick someone up from the airport, you're really good
1: friends with them (laughs) because it's such a hassle.
3: So we met each other there and it wasn't awkward at all. It just like felt like we've been friends for such a long time, which we had at that point.
0: People meeting in person after months or even years of being friends online is nothing new, but the pandemic definitely made the experience much more common. And technology actually helps make this transition a lot less awkward. Long ago, pen pals would have to send a letter and wait for a response. But now we're just a WhatsApp message away from anyone at any given time, for better or worse. And with constant video communication, we get used to seeing each other's faces and gestures. So when we finally do meet in person, it feels like we already had. So technology has allowed us to develop strong, long-distance bonds with other people. But how do we make our expectations of friendship fit our online friendships?
1: You expect to be able to call them and hang out with them and invite them to parties and talk to them about your day or invite them out to coffee. You expect them to wish you a happy birthday and things like that. And so those are things that you wouldn't necessarily expect from an acquaintance or a neighbor
0: or a work friend even. The truth is, there isn't a single type of friend.
4: There's friendships that are all about one weekend that you spend every year together. And it's that one weekend, that experience, that going to the woods or going on a hike or, or going and traveling in a fun city or, or just spending that quality time together.
0: That's Adam Smiley-Poswalski, a keynote speaker on human connection in the workplace. He's the author of three books, the most recent of which is Friendship in the Age of Loneliness.
4: There's friendships that are just about showing up in times of need or struggle or sickness. And all of those things are okay, but it's about figuring out what you are looking for. And then, especially if you have some deep friendships in your life, what do they need? And it might be different in the same way with love languages. It's like, okay, someone might be quality time and someone might be physical touch or acts of service. Similar with friendship, like the titles might be different, but it's getting to know yourself a little bit more.
0: Adam's research focuses on loneliness a problem that, perhaps unexpectedly, affects younger people the most.
4: 70% of uh, millennials and 80% of Gen Zers are lonely. A lot of times people think that the youngest people are the most connected, but loneliness is really the gap, the subjective gap between where your connections are and your level of social connection is and where you want it to be.
0: It's that gap. This isn't meant to minimize the problem, of course, but fortunately, The solution can be rather simple, not necessarily easy, but simple nonetheless, and can involve small steps to reach out to other people. You see, if most people are lonely, that means most people want to stop being lonely, which means that if you offer them friendship, they're more likely to accept it, or at least to try it out.
4: Loneliness is a societal issue, but I think it starts with one action. We can start small, Like, the only way we're going to solve it as a culture is by people just opening up a little bit and being more intentional and thoughtful about how they interact with their own friends and even strangers in their community.
0: And that one action can be something as simple as sharing a meal or a drink with someone.
4: The gesture, which is kind of universal, of inviting someone into your home or making a meal for them, I think food and sharing food. And that means different things in different cultures, right? In, in the Middle East, you might be welcomed in for tea. I think in the United States, someone would have you over for dinner. And I think if you're the visitor, if you're if you're in another place, like you get to know so much culture. Friendship and food, I think, are very interlinked. This is how people break bread. This is something that humans have been doing since <laughs> we were walking around in in caves, is eating together. That's kind of like the basic human gathering.
0: By the way, this is how we got the word companion, from the Latin com, meaning together with, and panis, meaning bread. So, someone with whom you break bread. Anyway, that's all fine and good, but how do we take that first step? Especially with someone we just met.
5: I think it's easier to just, to give the sort of ambiguity of like, we should hang sometime. It just doesn't put yourself out there. And it sort of tests the waters, and then you... Hopefully, casually can make the moves to have hangouts uh, happen more often.
0: This is Mark Bagan, the host and creator of the podcast "Other Men Need Help."
5: Internally, we call it Sesame Street about men for adults, but it is a show that highlights and identifies affection, safety, tenderness, authenticity, and accountability, and the performance insecurities and arrogance that can exist within uh, masculine identities.
0: Mark has put a lot of thought into friendships, and especially on how difficult it can be to start them and maintain them.
5: I'm sure most of us have been on a party or some small gathering, and maybe you're watching two people that are vibing for whatever reason, not romantically, just like two people that are vibing. And one person will say something like, oh my God, I want to be your friend, or we have to be friends. And then maybe by the end of the party, they'll make plans or get that person's info and presumably go on and be friends. I think, unfortunately and interestingly, that sort of thing feels very rare. In most situations involving friends gets very coded. Involving making friends gets very coded.
0: Because sometimes, before you have friends, you have friend crushes.
3: Friend crushes, yes. I have had, like, multiple friend crushes before, but one of them was in my Intro to History, Law, and Society class. Her name was Carly, huge friend crush on her, we ended up becoming really close friends. We told each other that we both had friend crushes on each other and then after that, we just started hanging out.
0: Now not everyone might feel comfortable using the word friend crush to refer to someone, since the word crush is still so linked to a romantic feeling. By the way, if you haven't done so already, check out our episode on the language of flirting from earlier in the season to learn more about when people want something more than a friendship. But anyway, back to being friends. It is often especially hard for men to reach out to other men to try and make new friends.
5: Not only are men taught to hold back emotionally at a certain age, but adult friendships are othered by men, but also by culture.
0: And a great example of this is the word... Romance.
5: You know, do we watch two women spend a few weekends hanging out and go, ooh, look who's becoming friends. You love each other. I think this idea of bromance is sort of the language around it creates this otherness. There's an exoticism about the most basic human need that everybody experiences, which is connection. And so we've
0: othered friendship between men. Mark says that there are behaviors that are heavily discouraged in male friendships because of cultural homophobia.
5: If I approach friendship with the same tools, I approach how I hook up with someone, then it's automatically romantic. You know, a man may be more direct when he's trying to score with someone, like, hey, you want to hang out? You want to come over? Can I get your number, Etc. Like these sort of lines that happen. But it's not a one-to-one ratio with using those lines to approach someone you want to hang out with. I would say there is a big discrepancy between how friendships are approached by men and women. Socialization-wise, I do think women are often more direct. It can be. I'll be at a party and see, like, you know, in two minutes, like, oh, my God, I love your dress. Or I love what you just said. And it's it becomes this easy bridge, like, within a few beats of a conversation or a few beats of an evening to then go, like, let's hang out, like, very directly. I've observed women more often than men, frankly, say, oh my God, I need to be your friend. Like, we need to be friends. We need to hang out. We need to cement this. And the ease of physical affection, of course, everything I'm saying is not universal, but just just generally like in terms of a a gendered conversation, like the ease of physical affection so deeply desired by all genders.
0: This is particularly true in most interactions between men that involve touch. In fact, Many times these sort of interactions are softened by the words, no homo.
5: A lot of adolescent, not even adolescent men, men will say this, that, you know, they may like hug a friend or like tap their shoulder and do things and then automatically kind of give this caveat, this like literally homophobic caveat of of no homo.
0: And this kind of interaction is much less likely to happen between two women.
1: I hug all of my friends when I greet them. And if you're my friend and we're meeting up for dinner
3: for a movie, I will give you a hug when we meet up. Just are back to that first time that Karina came out here to Denver. The first night she stayed with me, I was like, "You wanna sleep on the couch or the air mattress or in bed with me. And Karina was like, yeah, I'm good sleeping in bed with you if you're good with that. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And we were just sharing my bed like completely naturally even though it was only our second time ever meeting in person.
5: That being said, men have friends too, and they connect, they relate to each other, they transfer emotional needs. And does this work need to improve? Absolutely. I think it's tough to put a measurement of like how emotional needs and how friendship is being measured between
0: men. And if it's hard to show affection in a current friendship with someone you see regularly, it can be even more of a challenge to bring back a friendship from long ago.
5: I was in email response with a friend of mine my friend sam is the kind of friend that everybody wants their like son or husband or boyfriend to be friends with like you got he's a good guy like you got to hang out with this guy you can talk to you about anything he's gonna be there for you all that stuff anyway we were he, he had emailed me we hadn't talked in a while so i was responding to the email and i had this long sort of catch-up response and responding to sam mr open mr emotionally Available. I wrote the words, I miss you, was about to press send, erased it. And I was like, I am, I am way too old, way too old and way too learned and way too educated and way too uh, reflective to have done
0: that. What the hell happened? In any case, the clearest sign of a good friendship goes beyond words. It's about being there when someone needs you.
1: Very recently, my senior dog passed away, and uh, Emily sent me flowers along with her friend Noelle. It was really sweet, and I think it also helped in terms of cementing the friendship, because even though we talked every day, we weren't in close proximity to each other, so we can't hang out or go get coffee or go watch a movie or do activities that I would do with friends that are close to me.
5: I want to give a little bit of a nod to my friend Adam. At this point I've known him for, oh boy, not 30 years, but it's been close to 30 years. And my father died when I was 14 years old. And It was very hard, obviously. Adam was older, 16 or 17. I did not have a license. And the holidays were coming up and I asked him to drive me to my father's grave so that I could pay respect. It was a a bit of a drive from where I lived. As an adult, I think the deeper reason was asking for, asking for the emotional protection. Of him to be there with me. It was still, a, it was still a fragile wound, and I went to the grave. Adam stayed a distance. I had my moment at the grave, and I'm, I'm getting emotional. Uh, think recalling this, but I came back to the car, and I either directly asked, or it was already showing up on my face, and he just held me. And I just cried in his arms. He's very, I'm not a big person. I'm, I'm not a very tall person. And Adam, on the other hand, is very, I'll make the stereotype, he's very Swedish. He's, he's, he engulfs me whenever we hug. And he did that day. I was, you know, very, a very small Caribbean man. He's a very tall um, Scandinavian man. So it makes it very easy for him to put his arms around me. But we, I have no idea what the time frame was. Could have been a few minutes but it felt like the time had stopped. And I, I can't remember an experience I've had like that with a friend that was so directly, uh, it just, it's still, it, it catches me. Cause it, 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 you know, that's part of the reason 30 years into our friendship that we don't talk as much as we can, but the 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 bridge is there, it will always be there. And uh, he's, he's available to me and I've seen that If you ask for the need, if you communicate that need, your friends will show up for you.
0: Remember my college best friend, whom I sat next to at our graduation ceremony? Well, that day we knew things were changing. Just a couple weeks later, he moved to another city. And suddenly, we no longer saw each other every day. But that's only made the interactions we do have all the more valuable. And I love that even though years can go by without meeting in person, when we do meet, we just pick up where we left off. We laugh at our same inside jokes, and it feels not too different from coming back to school after a summer vacation. As we age, it becomes harder and harder to either bring back a friendship from the past or start a new one. We fear rejection, and we also fear loneliness. But it's always comforting to know that there is a pretty big chance that, if you're feeling lonely, the other person is too. So, yeah, send your friend that text message. Tell them you miss them. Tell them you want to hang out sometime. They probably do too. Thank you for listening to Atlas Lingue. If you're new to the series, we invite you to listen to our previous episodes, where we dive deep into translation and communication. I'm Luis Lopez, and it has been a pleasure to accompany you on this journey. Special thanks to Emily King, Karina Lopez, Tobias Dickmice, Adam Smiley Poswalski, and Mark Pagan. Atlas Lingue is an original production by Studio Ochenta. Our executive producer is Lori Martinez. Sound design and production by Chiara Santella and me, Luis Lopez. With additional production by Linnea Wingerup. Our production coordinator is Catalina Hoyos. For more information on Atlas Lingue, a Studio 80 original series and podcast, visit ochentastudio.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Our podcast is available on CastBox, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time. Hi, it's Luis here, and I want to tell you about a show we've been listening to called The Pulso Podcast. There are a lot of podcasts that cover Latino culture and news, but this is one of the first we've heard that really utilizes the through-line of history to provide more context and nuance to our stories. From the halls of Congress to the stages of Broadway, even the food we consider to be American, Latinos helped build this country. And we're not going anywhere. Yet most podcasts are still lacking Latino representation behind and in front of the mic. The Pulso Podcast is a Latina-hosted, latina produced show that explores untold stories and unheard voices shaping the experiences of nuestra gente. They've covered topics from beauty standards and gender equality to mental health and food origins. And did you know that there is an official Spanish version of the Star-Spangled Banner? Or that a team of Mexican lawyers changed the future of segregation laws in the 50s? To hear more, check out the Pulso podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.